I grew up in a house with five older brothers, so let's just say it was a bit crazy. And while they're all great guys as adults, I can't imagine it would be easy if we were all working together right now. But that's what family businesses are about. So how do they manage the rows, and in particular the big row, about who's going to take over next? I'm Jonathan Healy, and this is Red Business. Red Business Podcast with CompuB, building your business with premium Apple solutions. CompuB.com. Later on in this podcast, we're going to talk about Apple, not a family business, of course, but one that has introduced a lot of new, exciting toys. We'll find out all about them and when people in Ireland will be able to get their hands on them. But first, let's talk about running the family business. With me in studio, I have two guests who I'll get to shortly, but ahead of that, let's go on a trip to Blackpool, down to Healy's Celebration Cakes. Nothing to do with me, just a business that happens to share my surname. The boss there is Rachel Healy. Rachel Healy, we are here in the back of the bakery. Uh, tell me about that floor just outside there. Because that, that, that's not a modern floor. No, no, they're old quarry slates. So they're, they were, they're over 100 years old. They were put in long ago. But they're actually great because they're non-slip. You know, you have to get non-slip stuff, so you actually don't even get the quality that they are anymore. So a lot of bakers have walked on those particular tiles <laughs> over the years. How, how old is the company? Um, well, we're 156 years on, on this site, but I'm the sixth generation. So before here, we were in Shandon Street, and before that, it was the Grand Parade, and before that, it was McCroom, North Cork. So you're... You eventually moved into the big smoke and have stayed and, here ever since. But we, we've moved out. This would have been, Blackpool would have been considered outside of town when they, my great-grandparents moved out here. So that would have been considered out, outside, you know, it wouldn't have been city centre. When they were in the Grand Parade, that was city centre. And then moving across to Shandon Street, which was nearly city centre, and then here. What is it like to carry the weight of that in your shoulders, that you are the sixth generation of bakers putting forward the name. I actually don't even think about it. I just fell into it. I was doing something else and came down here one Christmas, I think, to give dad a hand and I never left. Just got (laughs) stuck into it. Yeah, I was between jobs and I just ended up staying here. But you say between jobs, you still had to come down every day after school and every Saturday to do your bit and clean a machine or, you know, wash this or, you know. It's not an easy job being a baker. No. And it's, it, I mean, it, it, I mean it in the nicest way. It's a dirty job because okay. you're pulling bits of flour from under your nails, yeah. I'd imagine, and, uh, constantly. And it's very physical. It's, <laughs> you know, when you're lifting 25 kg bags of sugar and it's not for the faint-hearted. A lot of people wouldn't be able to pull 10 bags of 25 kg bags of sugar I, around. I, <laughs> I'm sure not. And, and I suppose your dad did it before you... When you came in here, how easy was it to work as part of the family business? Because, you know, if you're working for someone else, they have to follow the P's and Q's. They have to make sure that they they, they don't uh, overstep the line. With family, it's a little different. How was the relationship with your dad? It was, there was no issues ever, any actually, at all, at all. Um, I, I'm one of five, and we've all went into some form of food trade, Um uh, my other sister is a baker up north. She's in, in Drogheda in County Louth. Um, and they have a huge company up there. My brother is in bread distribution. 
uh, I'm the only one, I'm going to say the Egypt, <laughs> who fell in tow and never left. And that was about it. And when you look at the business now, how much has it changed? Because you used to have the big bakery out the back here, that, and that's moved outside of the city now. Is it a constant evolution, and has it always been a constant evolution? It is an evolution because uh, food, uh, diets have changed, etc. Bread was the main staple long ago. Like, even when I was growing up, bread would have been the main staple. It would have been, like, you know... Bread with every meal. Yeah, kind of a thing. Whereas now there's pasta and there's rice and, you know, everything else. Uh, You evolve, that's it. You just go with the flow and evolve. And that's why we ended up specialising in stuff and people travelled for that and... It's a skill in many ways because it's, it's celebration cakes is the sign above the door and, and I'm conscious and I'm afraid to move because there's three what look like wedding cakes next to me here in case I bump off them. But there's not many people will do this level of baking, is there? Because when you, you're, you're hardly, well, you might try and make a wedding cake, but you would be rather nervous doing it. I suppose I can do my eyes closed. I'm used to it. I trained my sister in um, South Bank Ballytech in London. And we went to uh, Lucerne in Switzerland for a while. And we did a, a term there. And we did a term in France. How you know, you get to like what the Italian kids are here doing Erasmus now with me at the moment. So you just take some time off and you go off and learn some stuff other places. But we were the first people to bring this into the country. My sister was the first person to bring this into the country in 19... I'm going to say maybe 80. The to bring... The icing of the, the celebration. Really? Yeah, yeah, an Australian satin finish. It was called satin fondant at the time. Uh, you know, people watch... I know it's gone wholesale. Everybody has it. Actually, they're not as good as yours, though. They're not as good as the Healy <laughs> celebration gags. When you, you, when you, do you watch Bake Off? I mean, is there a curiosity, or is that real busman's holiday for you if you're watching the Great British Bake Off? And do you do you look at it and kind of not turn your nose up at it, but say, oh, oh lads. Well, I enjoy it. I'd still, to be honest, I just would look at it and go, yeah, grand, whatever, and switch off. <laughs> there's no magic <laughs> in it for you. No, there's not. I know the people are kind of interested in it. And it's kind of like, a, a, I suppose, a fashion, a fascination with that kind of stuff that's going on. Again, there's another American thing called Cake Boss that he was around for a while. And that, uh, you know, yeah, you look at them. Grand. <laughs> yeah. Um, you mentioned that you're one of five. I'm sure there's, there's grandchildren in the mix there. What happens next to, to this particular business? Uh, I, they're a bit younger yet. There's a couple of them might fall in tow, but uh, I'd say it'll evolve again. Uh, if it's going to evolve again, it'll be something else again and the next generation. Because what, what I do is too physical and too hard. And I think, God bless the poor millennials, they won't be able for it. <laughs> Not good for lumping the bags of sugar no, around no, the place. I, like, I think they might be a bit precious about stuff. But I don't know. I, hopefully one of them will take an interest in it. Hopefully, if not two. Tell us the website for people who might want to look it up because you have a website for these fabulous cakes. Um, Healy's Celebration Cakes. Rachel Healy, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for joining us in Red Business. Thank you very much indeed. The Red Business Podcast with CompuB Business. Improving productivity with the latest Apple technology. CompuB.com. 
With me now in studio, continuing the conversation about family businesses and succession and all of that kind of thing, we've got uh, Patrick Buckley, who is the MD of EPS Water. Uh, Patrick, you're very welcome. Morning, Jonathan. And Sean Carroll, who is a financial planning manager for AIB. How are you, Sean? I'm very good, Jonathan. Good morning. It's good to have you both here. Uh, now, Rachel had cakes for me at the end. I'm guessing the best I could get off ye is maybe the offer of a loan and some water. Is that about right? <laughs> Two North Corkmen wouldn't know what you'd get off of. Right, yeah, yeah, probably nothing, but we'll move on. We'll move on quickly from that. Uh, Patrick, tell us a little bit about EPS Water. Um, because people will, I, I second I see the brand which is in front of you on, on some headed paper, I go, I, I know them, but I don't know where how I know them or where they're from. So tell us about the company. Yeah, well, the, the initial business was actually uh, a business in Cantork called Cantork Electrical and Dairy Services, founded by Gerald Buckley and, and, and his friend John Joshian. And a number of years later then they founded um, Electrical and Pump Services Limited in Cantork, um, Gerald and his brother Paddy, Paddy Buckley, and, and then they relocated to Mallow in about 1972-73 and were joined in uh, around the same time by another brother and a sister who, who are currently the four shareholders. So that's a big, that's a family business if ever there was a definition of a family business. It is indeed, yeah. I suppose we're over 48 years in business now and I suppose it, it is a family business but I put, like people need to look at what is a family business. Okay, you have shareholders who are three brothers and a sister um, we've also had one non-family member who was a shareholder and then when he retired, we remunerated his shares back into the business. But we've many families that work for us in terms of like within the business, we would have brothers that work with us. We would have cousins, first cousins, uncles and aunts. So once you have the, the Buckleys as the shareholders, um, the second generation are now involved. So there's there's seven of us working in the business out of a total of 17. How how does that change the dynamic of a company? Because your traditional company, your non-family company, has people who aren't related to each other, number one, but don't know each other intrinsically like a family would. So do, does it help or hinder the dynamic? I think it definitely helps. Um, like our, my uncles and my father and the, the original first-generation leadership of the, of the company I've been very fortunate to have excellent people who are non-family, non-shareholding, who have worked in the business and who have led the business in terms of certain business units and continue to do that today. Um, we're very fortunate in terms of our transition from first to second generation, which happened over the period of 2009 to last summer, the end of 2016. Um, and we have a good mix now on our board and management team of, of family members who are actively involved in working in the business, but also non-family who have essentially grown up in the business, they've been with us for over 20 years. So, you know, it's a very good mix and it's a good, good, challenging, robust discussion at board meetings. Uh, yeah, well, good, robust board meetings are what life is all about, isn't it? Yes. Um, the company itself is involved in water, water treatment, is it? Water and wastewater treatment. So we've five distinct business areas in terms of what people, some people would know us for selling pumps and water treatment product for homes and farms and, and, and businesses and other people would, would know us as a construction company. So essentially we... We design and build water and wastewater infrastructure for customers like Irish Water, Thames Water, Seven Trent Water. And we also do systems for industries like a lot of the breweries, the dairy companies and, and the biopharma industries across Ireland and across the UK. We will also work with, um, we have an asset management business which essentially looks after and manages those infrastructure assets for our clients. Product distribution business, service repair business which is essentially men and women in vans going around Ireland fixing motors and equipment on various facilities. And then we have a fabrication business, which is our latest investment in Mallow, over four and a half million euros, 
which is all around design for manufacture and assembly and essentially build off-site and 3D design and digital engineering. So your traditional mom and pop small family business then from what you're describing. Yeah, well today we're over 80 million in turnover, 410 employees and, 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 and growing significantly over the last two years as a result of various opportunities in the markets that have that have opened up for us. And, and what did your dad make of all of this as the company grew and I suppose, uh, was it your uncle who was the... Uh, the, the my uncle Paddy was yeah. the original shareholder with yeah. Gerald and then their brother Tyg and so what my, did, my what, aunt Betty, they, they, they were all involved and became shareholders in, in the early saw, days. As they saw it growing, and it, was it just concentration, focus? We, we know we're doing we're doing it right. Was there a sense at any time of going, good God, this has gotten fierce peak? I think yes, you would have had. It was a it was a they made tremendous sacrifices to actually grow that business, and like people would often refer to the, some of the second generation as entrepreneurs, and I, I, I would. Reflecting that is, we're not actually the entrepreneurs. The entrepreneurs were the people who started it and who grew it, both family and non-family people, in very difficult times. You know, you had various recessions. You had interest rates at times over 20, 25%. You had banking strikes, you know, difficulties in getting access to cash to grow your business. So huge challenges. Um, They were very conservative in their approach, but they were also good to take certain risks um, and make certain decisions that, in hindsight now looking back, were, were very, very good decisions to have mm. made at the time when you're in in that part of the zone of the development of the business. It's difficult to see where it will end up. You know, um, like our pump business is a, is a huge distribution business in Ireland now. But that started out as a, as a, as a well drilling business, actually physically going out drilling wells. Um, and they made a decision to stop drilling wells, take one step back in the supply chain and supply pumps to all of their competitors who were essentially well drillers. And they would be key partners and customers of us today. Now. It's a lot less messy as well if you're not drilling the well. You're just providing well, the bump at the top of it. It's still a very skillful and, and, <laughs> a, and a tough task to do in, in terms of doing it right. But it, it was just a, a decision they took in terms of dealing with factories who make pumps rather yeah. than dealing with middlemen and distributors. As Sean Carroll from AIB. Sean, when you deal with these family businesses, mm. I, I would imagine... Uh, you know, n- notwithstanding the Buckleys and what's been going on at EPS Water, th- there can be challenges dealing with family businesses because families love each other, but they also hate each other. I Absolutely. mean, do you, do you come across that very often? You do. It does you, you, look. Family business can be a very broad, uh, I suppose, word. Like you can have the one man in his van to large company like the Buckleys, like EPS, um, and I suppose the larger companies. The politics can be a big thing. You can some one one part of the family can be very, um, can have one view and the other part of the family can have another view and that can create issues. I suppose, what I always say to people when I meet them, um, irrespective of whether they're a large company or a small one-man, his van company or partnership, um, what's your exit strategy? I know you're doing very well now, but what's your exit strategy? And an awful lot of them look at me with as if I have two heads saying, what, what do you mean? I'm here to talk to you about my, I'm 26 or 36 years of age. What are you talking about, exit? But it's all about the succession issue. How do you see yourself getting and out? Do, of do you have to have the conversation that early? So the twenty-six-year-old is going hell for leather. The thirty-six-year-old yeah. going hell for leather. Yeah. You have to start thinking that far. I back. think I really do think you do. You know, it's, it has to be there. Now it has to be one of the components um, in every chat you have on how you plan your business. Now you still want to drive your business, and that has to be the core thing: driving your business and making it more successful. But if you think about it, Jonathan, succession planning is a process. And I suppose, unfortunately, what happens with lots of people, they arrive at 65 or 66 and say, hey, I have to get out of this. What, how do I do it? They can still do it, and there's still ways of doing it. And many companies, and there have been high-profile ones, mm. show that where succession planning isn't done yes. or put off, 
Yes. All of a sudden, things go wrong very quickly. They can do. They can do. And 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 I suppose it, what what happens is certain amount of succession planning uh, happens and it's well planned. Sometimes it just happens. An event happens. A member dies. You know, somebody gets seriously ill. What happens to the company then? Do the next generation come in? Do the wife come in? Do the husband come in? And that can totally change the dynamics of the company, which can cause mayhem at times. Mm. It can work very well, but it can cause mayhem. I remember being at a conference on this last year, and one of the things that really stood out for me was that... uh, there is mediators who do mm. great jobs going in fixing or trying to fix a lot of these issues and uh, there was one individual what happened was they went in and said the company has gone we're fighting it's a, it's a disaster I don't know what we're doing everything's going wrong and they look back and see well what's changed in the last 12 months and it could be something as simple as maybe there was a partner, a wife or a husband who had retired right. and that what they were doing, would they would have been moderating the excesses of somebody right. and without that moderation, all of a sudden the dynamic had changed and caused a That's huge it. problem. That's is it important to kind of acknowledge that even if you are that person who is, is the aggressor in that, that you realise, well, hang on a second, maybe there's a good reason for having such Absolutely. and such and a... Absolutely, and I think the, the real important thing is that in, in any relationship with business, personal, everybody brings something to the relationship. Right, so in in a family business or in a partnership, one person brings certain skills to that relationship. It could be their technical skill. It might be just a mediation skill. It could be middle ground inside in a group of people. You take those out, that individual out of the scenario. Now, suddenly there's a big void, and I think that like one thing is providing the finances and the money and how do I work it, but the future of the company. What has worked well for us? What has worked well for the years? You know. We've worked well because you're an expert in that. You're an expert in that. Mm. We've robust meetings, but we've row in behind everybody else, and we've a consensus afterwards. How, how do you deal, Patrick, with, with maybe somebody wanting to do something, and others not agreeing? Because that happens a lot of the time. That you'll have someone who says, "Well, look, I think this is going to work," and others might say, "Well, look, I don't share your confidence, and therefore I don't want to proceed with it." And that can cause friction, can't it? It can, but I suppose it's, it's all about perspective. In particular, say from my own position as a second generation um, member of the family, it, it's about perspective. So it's, 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 it's ensuring that, first of all, everyone is clear on where you ultimately want to go, having respect for everyone within the business as having a, a, having a part to play in the process. And everyone, as, as you've said, has a skill set or an area of expertise which all combined give you that trust going forward. Like From my own experience, our mix on our current board, we have people who would be more conservative, we would be people that would be more risk-averse, pushing forward, and it's that pull and drag that gives you, ultimately, in my view, that best decision to move the, forward, the, the business forward. And I suppose the advantage of, depending on the structure of your family business, in terms of your, 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 your makeup of your management team or your board, um, it's the appetite for, okay, when you're going forward, making a decision. And rightly or wrongly, then having the agility and the flexibility to go with it, and then if you know it's a wrong decision for whatever reason, having the the decency and the and the, and the cop on to make to that decision it. to stop. Well, to admit it, put your hands up exactly yeah. and pull back. And in in the case, Sean, of the smaller business, yeah. admitting that mistake can be hard if you don't have the benefit of a board, if you don't have Absolutely. the benefit of a lot of people around you going. Do you know what? Now, that hasn't worked out for you. Cut your losses and go back to doing what you were doing right. That can be a hard admission if you're if you're on your own. That can be very hard. That can be very hard. And it, it, no, it, it, what you will find is in, in the larger companies, 
there, there will be a consensus, right? In the smaller, one man, the man and his wife, or two partners that met in college and their techie business is going away nice, they're both, for one of those to admit that this is not the way to go, can, be, can almost be like defeat, right? And for some people, that's the biggest issue. They just need to stand up and say, actually, I was wrong. But that is very, very difficult. Mm. Very difficult. Mediation is something I think that we, we are slowly coming around mm. to the idea mm. of in Ireland. I don't think uh, it, it, it was acceptable to, to even consider mediation because, by God, I was right <laughs> and you were wrong. So there's no need for mediation. But now people are coming around to it. And I think that organisations such as yours yeah. would be probably the first to advocate that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We'd be the first uh, as, as, a, as a, in AIB. Like when we come across a difficult situation, we would always say to the people, forget about the finances a while. That's just one aspect of this. Look at your company. Look at your setup. Go and get mediation if that's going to sort it. If there is a logjam in this company, let's try and, 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 and sort it out. And there's plenty of very, very good mediators out there. That are, you know, it's a growth industry. <laughs> um, and, you know, there are people out there that are very, very good. And But what you need... Who have is, a lot of patience. Who have a lot of patience. Who need a lot of patience. Who need a lot of patience. <laughs> but the most important thing, Jonathan, you need all parties to come to the party. To come to the party yeah. You and know? if they at least get them through the door, there's Absolutely. a chance. You have some chance. Um, Patrick, I, I suppose we have to be careful now because you're talking about the family here. But, you know, when you do have a row, because they happen. I mean, then you, you'll, you'll have a row at the kitchen table over something on the telly. Um, you're bound to have a row over something that happens in the company. How do you deal with it as a collective group, as, as a family uh, in business together? Is there a protocol that you follow well, or is it just an understanding of how the others work? First and foremost, you need to ensure you have respect for each other. All right. And have that understanding that everyone will have a different perspective um, and a different view. Um, some will be more progressive in terms of expressing that others will be a little bit quieter um, but I suppose it, it's, it's, it depends on your family business it depends on the shareholding structure and, and from my own perspective it's, it's, it's four separate families so I suppose if you look back at uh, my uncles and my aunt they all grew up in the same house you know they all probably shared a bed at some stage as we grow older the second generation probably didn't share a bed they had their own separate bathroom so you know, and then they're living in separate houses. And then we have four shareholders um, who live uh, three in, in, in Cork, in, in North Cork, one in, in the west of Ireland. And then even the second generation has moved, has moved somewhere in England, it's, some are, are based in the Midlands, some are in the west of Ireland, and some are in North Cork. So it's ensuring that you have that communication all the time, ensuring that, okay, decisions have to be made, all right? Not everyone will be happy with them, but once they're made in the interest of the business, and most importantly, we have a responsibility to all of our employees and their families. So, like, we've hundreds of families that depend on the, the paycheck they get every week or every And the month. success of the yeah. business. Absolutely. And we have a supply chain. And, like, so the business is, is bigger than any family member. And I think that's critical. Other businesses have obviously got into difficulties over the years because of certain practices as to how they approached what it meant for them as a family. And, and do you have... A succession plan is it in your? You don't have to tell me now, but just do well, you we, have a plan? We 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 do, but it's not a it's not a finalized plan. Like we've just come through uh, 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 our first succession from generation one to two, so we we effectively have had. Um, it's gone well once. It's 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 gone <laughs> not perfectly. We've had some difficulties yeah. and we've had some challenges as a result of it, and, and it's generally always the simple things that will trip you up. Um, but we did have some good, uh, excellent, uh, sound, balanced external advice and support going through that in terms of our auditor and our retiring financial director, Liam Sheehan, based in Whitechurch. Um, and Liam was always that climbing influence in EPS um, during his years there. Um, and we came through that process and it, it lasted from 2009 to 2016. We now need to get into the next phase of that in terms of we have a third generation in terms of 
kids, young boys and girls that are ranging from two weeks old to probably seven or eight. I wouldn't give it to the two week old. No. There's an awful lot of responsibility. <laughs> but we have to ultimately decide. You know, when we were growing up, we always worked in the business and there was no question about it. Um, but if that portrays into the next generation, we potentially could have 35 or 40 kids working in a business which is not sustainable. So yeah. we have to have that conversation as to how do, how do we deal and manage with that. And we would also have uh, senior people in the business who also have kids who, you know, would like to have a job in the business where mm. their parents are, are currently well, working. I mean, the, what I'll say is it worked for the Fords um, who still own yes. their business, which I found fascinating when yeah. we had uh, the, the Ford um, commemoration recently, that it's still a family-owned business and the man in charge is still called Ford. So yes. it, it does work even through numerous generations. I have to mention the, the All-Ireland Family Business Roadshow. Uh, which is dealing with the S word, which makes it sound far more intimidating than it actually is. Uh, navigating succession in family business is at the Kingsley Hotel uh, on Tuesday, the 26th of September. Um, and I think all the details are, are available on uh, the website, which I think the Centre for Family Business are looking after. So right, Google right. that and you'll find it. And uh, I know both of you will be in attendance. So Sean Carroll, Financial Planning Manager for AIB and Patrick Buckley, MD of EPS Water. Thank you both very much for joining us on Red Business. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Jonathan. The Red Business Podcast with CompuB. Apple technology and solutions for your business. CompuB.com So it was a really big week if you were an Apple fan because Apple promised a load of new products that are going to come on and a new operating system OS 11 and a lot of people are going to be looking for the iPhone 10 which is the latest product. Kieran McCormick is the CEO of CompuB which sponsors this podcast but uh, is a store that's got a lot of inquiries already I'd imagine Kieran it is the next big thing. Yeah it's a huge thing I mean there's, there's a couple of pieces that they announced three different phones two in the same category known as iPhone 8 basically an iPhone 8 and a plus one that's bigger then they, uh, they announced uh, the special 10 year anniversary phone which is the iPhone 10 which is uh, what they're classifying as edge to edge screen and it's got well, What some, does that mean now to the uninitiated? The edge to edge screen basically means literally that that the screen is going from one edge to another there's no bezel going around the screen except for the very uh, top part and the very top part of the phone they now have some special cameras and this uh, initiates a new feature on the iPhone 10 known as uh, Face ID, which for those that that sounds a bit strange, basically means facial recognition. And the logic of that is is that when you pick up the phone and you look at it, it's going to unlock rather than putting in your pin. Effectively, it sees you. Yeah, it sees you, but it's even a little bit more clever than that. It knows that you're looking. So what I mean by that is if someone uh, thinks that they can be smart and put the phone up to your face and unlock it when you're not looking, it won't unlock. It only unlocks when you're looking at it. So it's, it's a very smart uh, facial detection uh, technique for unlocking the phone. It's come on a long way since the first iPhone, uh, which is what? It's 10 years ago, hence why it's been yeah. called the, the iPhone 10. Uh, and... Th- Consumers love it, don't they? I mean, you're going to have a lot of inquiries in the shop about this. Yeah, we have loads of inquiries in our shops, particularly in our shops in, in Cork and in Limerick. And the reason for it is, is that it's not just the phone itself, it's the ecosystem. And when we say the ecosystem, it's that ease of use of the software that's been living on the phone for so long. And the reason people are staying with it is that when they start off on iPhone 4, they know how to use it. And what's more interesting is you look around the corner these days and someone's grandmother is using it and some three-year-old is using it. So we, in the old days when we looked at technology, we used to think you have to go for a degree to be able to turn the machine on. And that's why these phones have been so successful, particularly Apple's ones, is that the ecosystem, the, the software is so easy for them all to use. People are staying with the brand and then, they, of course, they look beautiful and the technology is getting better. So that's why they're so keen to come back. And, and more and more products, Apple products, are ending up in the strangest places, that they're, they're now being used 
in restaurants. They're now being used in factories. They're being used all around the place. And, you know, people's expectations are that they're going to keep being used, which is good news for someone like CompuB. Yeah, it's great for CompuB. I mean, they've been used everywhere from on the field to engineers to doctors. And there's a great example that, uh, that Apple show with iPads where a doctor can go up to a bed using a smart technology called iBeacon and the, the iPad knows what customer or what patient is in the bed pops up a photograph of that patient as they walk to the bed and all of their data about that customer or patient is presented to the doctor on the iPad. So no charts. And it's smart enough, the iPad, to know from what bed it's going to. So the technology has been used in amazing ways. And that's why so many people are coming to our stores these days is to buy the technology. It used to be for video. It used to be for games. But now a lot of them are using it for, uh, for, using it for blood pressure mm. and monitoring their blood pressure because of a device that will connect to it. That's very practical applications. And the, the watch, there's a new watch coming out. There's a new Apple TV. Everybody wants to know when they're going to be able to buy them. Are there dates yet? Yeah, there are dates. Uh, the new iPhone 8 is available next week. Uh, the iPhone 10 will be available in mid-November. Uh, the Apple TV is available next week and the Apple Watch Series 3 is also available next week, Friday of next week. Uh, no word on the poor old Apple 9. Are we going to have to skip a generation or there may be a 9 yet, will there? It looks like 9 has been left off the list and the number doesn't exist anymore. So currently it's iPhone 8 and iPhone 10 is what's available. A moment silence for the iPhone 9. <laughs> OK, Kieran McCormack of CompuB, thanks very much for joining us in Red Business. Thank you very much. My thanks to all my guests again this week, Anthony of Hennessy, for helping put it all together. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, and we'll talk on the next one. The Red Business Podcast with CompuB. Building your business with premium Apple solutions. CompuB.com.